there is a world that retargeting is highly profitable for brands and help their businesses grow. But it's also an experience that is like delightful and interesting and engaging and memorable from the consumer perspective. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we are dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And I'm your host, Annette Grant. And we believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you are struggling to scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. And let's get on with the show. On today's episode of Honesty Commerce, we welcome Reza, the CEO of Shoelace, as he breaks down customer journey retargeting. All right, everybody, welcome back to yet another episode of Honest e commerce. My name is Chase. I'm sitting here next to Annette Grant in Columbus, Ohio. And today we are welcoming Reza from Shoelace, an expert in customer journey retargeting. Welcome to the show, Reza. And what is CJR, as you like to put it? Thanks. Yeah, um, glad, glad to be here uh, to talk about that. So we first started kind of thinking about customer journey retargeting as a solution to what we've identified as a, as a pretty big problem. And this is the problem of retargeting having gotten incredibly annoying from the consumer standpoint. So if you talk to any consumer, and all of us are kind of consumers ourselves in some respect, and you ask them what they think about retargeting ads, what, what you'll probably hear is people will say, oh, those like annoying repetitive ads that follow me around everywhere, I hate them, or they're super annoying. And, um, and so that, that's kind of the state of retargeting. And it also happens to provide good ROI for merchants and advertisers. And so we find this like weird situation where you know, do we exist in a world where the only way to get high return on ad spend is to annoy our customers? Like, is that just a trade-off that we as marketers have to live with? And you know, we've been thinking about this for, for a while. And our view is that the answer is no, it doesn't have to be that way. That there is a world that, um, that retargeting is highly profitable for brands and help their businesses grow. But it's also an experience that is like delightful and interesting and engaging and memorable from the consumer perspective. And so there's a lot of reasons why we think that you know, retargeting should be a better experience. And ultimately, the way we try to um, phrase customer journey retargeting is just part of this conversation of how could retargeting be better. And at a high level, the way we think about it is that part of what is annoying about retargeting is if it's not funnel aware, if it doesn't understand where somebody is in their buying journey. So if somebody has bought a product and then for six months continues to see a retargeting ad of that product that they bought, it's the advertiser not being aware of what state of the buying journey the customer is in. And so part of what we think about customer journey retargeting is to be relevant to where the customer is based on where they are in the buying journey, whether they've just you know, expressed interest and only spent a few seconds on the brand's Instagram page or are coming back for their fifth purchase this year because they're a loyal repeat customer. Customer journey retargeting should take that state of the customer of where they are in their journey and reflect that in the kind of ad experiences that they receive. There's a bunch of more that goes into it. And we have this like pretty long 54 slide deck on to answer that question of what CJR is. But at a high level, that's sort of um, how we think about it. So that these experiences, instead of being annoying and repetitive for consumers, they end up being uh, relevant and memorable and personalized. So that's kind of... Uh, at, at a high level of, of how we like to think about it. I, ha- I have a question. Um, is 
I've, I'm very familiar with retargeting um, and also the customer journey. But I, I'm going to be honest here that I did not know about customer journey retargeting until I was prepping for this episode. So can you talk to our listeners and myself and educate us a little bit about the evolution of retargeting and, and what the root of it was and how we got to customer journey retargeting and, and your brand in general? Yeah. So I, I think like retargeting probably is a kind of technology or marketing strategy has probably been around for, I don't know, I want to say like seven, eight years, something like that. And it's kind of started off with this ability to be able to, let's say, drop a cookie on a um, consumer's browsing experience and then later be able to show them an ad. And that kind of was pretty revolutionary in the sense that you can now kind of uh, pick up that intent, intent signal and say... Here, somebody who has you know been to the website and so obviously is um, you know super interested in our content, and we can get in front of them again and instead of you know, without even having an email address. And I think that has been just like um, a dream for marketers for as long as retargeting the tactic has um, existed. But I think the problem has become um, marketers have not really innovated with retargeting since its inception. Like for the most part, still what we continue to do is show buyers the same ad over and over again. And I think part of it has to do with, you know, as marketers, we become so um, accustomed to kind of looking at dashboards, looking at Facebook Ads Manager, looking at numbers and digits on a screen, that we sort of forget what the end experience of that consumer is like. And so for the most part, you know, in, in part of a brand's overall marketing strategy, they're doing email, they're doing SEO, they're doing prospecting, all these things going on. And generally, the way we um, try to determine whether something is working well or not is to look at the KPIs and the, and the numbers. And for the longest time, I think retargeting has kind of slipped through the radar here by showing good numbers on the analytics dashboards. And therefore, marketers go, okay, well, that must be, that must be doing all right. Meanwhile, the ad has like a frequency of like 40. So the customer has seen the same thing like a million times. Some of them have converted, sure, but everybody else has just gotten a terrible experience. And I think that you know, as we've started to think about, there's a lot of reasons why we've been really keen on focusing on this problem. I'll just to, uh, mention it very quickly and then happy to dive into whichever area you prefer. But ultimately, we think that it's not a good experience from a customer's perspective, but there's, there's something much more important than that kind of warm and fuzzy argument. The, the, the thing that we've seen happen, and I'm sure you both can agree to this, is that the last three, four years, it's just become very expensive to make the math work on paid marketing for e-commerce, where there was a time period where you can just run a bunch of Facebook ads, and then you'd make profitable uh, results just on those like first transactions. And um, it was all wonderful, and everybody was making a ton of money. And as it, it gets more and more competitive, and as the CPMs go up, it starts to become harder and harder to make all the math work on that first transaction. And so what you start to see is that the e-commerce brands that are emerging as having a competitive differentiator to be able to survive this are the ones that are building uh, businesses around like loyalty and repeat purchase and, and having customers kind of come back and buy from their brand over and over again. And that's where the math will work from like a lifetime value perspective. And so as we start to see this kind of um, conversation shift a little bit, at least for the forward-thinking brands that you know, repeat purchase matters, long-term brand equity matters. And these things don't just matter because they feel nice, but they matter because that's how... It's the only way the math is going to work. And we start to think about, okay, um, if that's the direction that you know marketing strategies are evolving into 2019 and beyond for, for brand marketers, then how should retargeting evolve to this? And, and our view has just been that we can't you know move in that direction where we're trying to build 
brand affinity, build emotional and memorable connections with our customers so that they come back and buy from us over and over again and tell all their friends if the retargeting experience is just repetitive and annoying. And so somehow retargeting, our retargeting strategy needs to fit into that overall paradigm of uh, brand building and repeat purchase. And our view is that you know, customer journey retargeting is, is how we think that you know, retargeting kind of levels up to fit into that broader strategy. Man, we started this episode and just dove right into the good stuff. And I'm, I'm super excited. <laughs> and, all right, so let's take it back a bit. So I, I introduced you improperly. You're the CEO. I'm talking to the bigwig at Shoelace. So Shoelace is a great company. They have an awesome app in the App Store for Shopify. And it helps you build out this customer journey retargeting within your company, uh, within like your Shopify store. So let's kind of go back to the beginning. And, and what is your history you know, before Shoelace? Were you in the Facebook advertising world doing this yourself? Uh, what kind of led you to creating this you know, idea and then the technology behind it? Sure. Yeah. So like my, the the short history of of um, kind of what I when I've been up to pre shoelace is I've just been somewhere in between a founder, a marketer, and a programmer for for most of my life, just like working on stuff that intersect between those three things. And so I had an on demand laundry business back in the day, um, and a big part of that business was just just kind of uh, how do we how do we do marketing for this for this dry cleaning business to be able to get customers to order their dry cleaning through us. That was kind of my, my first uh, stab at let's say e-commerce, not necessarily like product-based e-commerce, but how like s- service-oriented e-commerce. And um, I ended up writing all the software for that business and doing all the marketing. And I learned a lot about um, how to market a business online. And I, I just kind of fell in love with that with that challenge. Um, and took, worked on a bunch of different stuff in, in, in between, but that was uh, that was the main kind of company I worked on for a while. Uh, I realized that uh, I hadn't really ever had a job, so I thought that'd be a good thing to do. And then I went and um, and joined the startup that was moving, that was growing really fast in Toronto, just to get an experience of like what it would be like to 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 work at a kind of venture funded startup that is growing quite fast. To experience the sort of thing that you don't necessarily experience, kind of bootstrapping ideas on your own, which turned out to be a really awesome experience for me. And I met my two co-founders, David and Alex, who are both colleagues of mine at that company. And we started kind of working very closely together um, and just developed a pretty good friendship and realized that at some point we wanted to, to, to start our own company together. We didn't really know what we wanted to build, but just the three of us made a really good kind of foundation for, for a starting team. Alex is our kind of hardcore engineer and he's a way better programmer than, than, than I was. I, I haven't written code in a really long time, so I probably suck at it now. Um, and then Ale- and David um, kind of comes from a bit of a corporate background and he's... Uh, He's our financial guy and thinks a lot about um, those those sorts of things. And the three of us um, made a really good, interesting team that we felt that the three of us can kind of go out and think about different ideas and problems. And we had the right skill sets to kind of build it in-house ourselves and then sell it in terms of an idea and market it to people. So we just felt like really qualified to work on stuff together as a founding team. So we decided to take a plunge and we quit our jobs uh, actually May is, is coming up to four years where we quit our jobs without an idea, just a little bit reckless. But uh, we, we, we believed in each other as a team enough to realize that if we just spend like 10, 11, 12 hours a day working on stuff, surely we'll, we'll find interesting problems to solve in the world. And so anyway, long story short, one of the first ideas that we were dabbling with was this idea to help business owners cross-promote each other with other businesses who they shared a similar audience with but didn't compete with. So for example, 
you might have a brand that sells um, you know, women's dresses and a brand that sells purses. Can these two brands kind of co-market with each other and help each other drive sales and traffic? And so we wanted to solve that problem uh, and help these businesses grow and kind of do this interesting way to do kind of digital marketing in a way that didn't, hadn't necessarily been done before from a, from a co-marketing perspective. And one of our ideas was, what if we help these two brands kind of cross-promote each other's pixels? So like we do a cross-retargeting thing where if somebody buys a product from business A, they'll start to see a retargeting ad for business B and vice versa as a way to kind of help each other grow. And so we started talking to customers about this, this, this idea. And what we heard was, oh, that sounds really cool. I'd love to try that when you have a partner for me and when that kind of when your platform is ready. But in the meantime, you guys seem pretty smart. And I've just been struggling with my own retargeting. Could you just help me set up a few campaigns? And by the time the, let's say, sixth person asked the same, the same thing, that was kind of our aha moment of like, okay, maybe there's maybe there's an opportunity here. Forget about this like advanced cross-retargeting thing we want to do. It sounds like merchants and brands are kind of struggling with basic retargeting on their own. And so that kind of got us thinking about, you know, are there are there parts of this that we can automate and, and make basic retargeting easier and easier for brands? And that was kind of our first uh, foray into into what we started, what we ended up doing with Shoelace. And then just like as time went on, we just started obsessing about retargeting as a specific problem, probably more than anybody else has for the, for the last few years at the intersection of like what is social retargeting, what should it be like for direct to consumer e-commerce brands has just been our obsession for the last four day, four years. And um, you know, through that, we've kind of developed these theories around like, you know, customer journey retargeting and how the approach should be. And then, you know, using that as a framework to say, okay, what kind of products and services can we develop that help brands implement uh, in, in our view, what is the, the kind of right approach to retargeting? Um, so that's it's kind of the history history in the nutshell. Hey, if you're in the product making business, then we've got great news for you. Katana is here to make your life easier. There's now a Shopify app built and designed for merchants that make their own products, manage your sales, orders, raw materials, production schedule, inventory, and material purchasing all from one dashboard. The name of that app is Katana. K-A-T-A-N-A. Katana is designed for makers, crafters, and small manufacturers selling on Shopify. Until now, product makers selling on e-commerce have had to settle with messy spreadsheets or regular inventory management software. We know they both usually suck if you need to make your own products. Fortunately, Katana is built from ground up with the needs of a small manufacturer in mind. Production scheduling and inventory management has never been this easy for Shopify merchants. A recent survey shows that 93% of Katana's users say they love it because of the ease of the setup and how intuitive it is. To try Katana for free, sign up at www.katanamrp.com. That's K-A-T-A-N-A-M-R-P.com. Or search Katana on the Shopify app store. There's a 14-day free trial. You do not need a credit card. And when you're signing up, use the promo code HONEST to get 30% off your first three months of a paid subscription. Check out Katana today. Awesome. So now with customer journey retargeting, did you guys coin that phrase or you can you trademark it? Well, we're, we're you know, to, to be honest, like I think we're the first ones to to start, you know, saying it. Uh, in a way, we actually don't care if it if it ends up getting attributed to us or not. Um, we're more interested in like, can we get the ecosystem thinking about retargeting in this way? And whether it's the term CJR that sticks or something else, not not too important to us. But um, from like a vanity perspective, yeah, I think we are probably the the first to, to say customer journey retargeting in that order. But uh, I think what we care about more is like, 
you know, we're just trying to, we, we see this as an inevitability that's happening anyway, and we're just trying to accelerate it, that this approach to retargeting away from just like run a dynamic product ad and plaster people with the same messaging. Like there's just no way that that's the future. And we're trying to accelerate to get to the future of, of what we think it should be like, but also very kind of um, welcoming the broader ecosystem to contribute towards this and say like, no, here's how, why we think you're wrong and maybe it should be done this way. And I think the, the more crowdsourced it becomes, the, the, the better. We, we care more about like, uh, can we evolve retargeting to be more than just like the same re- repetitive product ad over and over again? And, um, you know, selfishly, like it, it, that works for us because we're trying to build products and solutions that, that matter more in a you know, post-DPA world. Like we, Chile starts to matter a lot more when the way to do retargeting as like a de facto industry-wide is this more journey approach to, to, to retargeting as opposed to just showing the same messaging over and over again. And so however it, get, it gets there, whether the, the, the catchphrase is associated to us or not, doesn't, doesn't really matter. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think we probably were the first to start calling it that. Well, I think that's cool. And I'm going to give you props for it. And everyone else out there can hopefully tag along and say that's cool. I was going to say something a little more raunchy, but I decided against <laughs> it. Sure. <laughs> I, I have a question. Do you have different philosophies when you're working on the ads for a company when it comes to like dynamic ads versus like video the video ads? Because like customer journey retargeting makes a lot of sense to me if I can see like how long they're watching one of my videos or something like that. But I'm not sure how that translates into just the product ads itself. Are those two different yeah. philosophies or so uh, one thing I'd say is that like we are making a bet on you know, this being relevant for brands that are building a brand. So, you know, if, if the playbook is kind of drop shipping products and not necessarily any issues against drop shipping as like a supply chain method, but like this idea of, you know, selling pro- products that aren't really interesting or valuable and they're, they're, they're kind of just commodity products that are effectively just waiting for Amazon to gobble them up. It, it doesn't necessarily fit there. Like if, if you're not trying to like, tell a brand narrative, if you're not trying to tell a story, if you're not trying to kind of bring um, customers into your, into your community, into your ecosystem, it may not be the right fit. Our view is that like, if, if, if brands are not thinking about the world that way, they might be in trouble in terms of like sustainability and survival, just as, as the world gets more and more exp- expensive to find brand new first-time customers. It might be difficult to sustain a business model that doesn't have like brand affinity, brand equity built into the, into the um, framework. Just wanted to put that out there first, but in terms of uh, you know thinking about the benefits of like different types of ad creatives, the way we sort of think about it is that like when somebody visits a website and leaves over the days and weeks to follow, what they consume should kind of feel like a story. They kind of should go through this this sort of this journey approach where they're learning about the brand, they're learning about the unique selling uh, propositions, they're they're learning about what the community of that brand looks like. And so, in a way, part of the part of the point of customer journey retargeting, and I, I, uh, um, I heard a marketer talk about this, which which I found really interesting, was that once upon a time, marketers used to have the attention span of consumers at like four minute blocks at a time, where we just had more attention span from our consumers. But today, when consumers we, we have their attention at like 10, 15 second intervals at a time, then it almost becomes a strategy for a brand to say, okay, what kinds of things do we want to communicate to a potential customer over, let's say, a four-minute time period? 
that will, once they consume all of that, say, okay, I love this brand. I love their products. I love what they stand for and what they're all about. And in the, given that we don't have all four minutes of their attention span in one shot, can we break that up into little kind of nuggets of messaging that last kind of 10, 15 seconds at a time, whether that's through video, whether that's through kind of a still image or a carousel or whatever else. But we try to kind of tell a story with our ad experiences so that when somebody leaves their leaves your site, depending on where they are in their buying journey, over the next days and weeks, they'll see a series of ad experiences that have them become kind of fully educated about what your brand is and what you're about, um, and that they kind of become become ready to either make a purchase or make a repeat purchase. So it's it's more about the, the different touch points being used to tell a broader story versus every touch point being hey buy now. Hey, buy now with this discount. Hey, buy now with this discount. It's like, um, you know, that, that that may work for for many businesses, but the ones who are trying to build sort of loyal relationships with their customers just not doesn't seem like the right way to uh, to build those relationships. So that's where this kind of journey approach um, adds a lot of value. Yeah, that's fantastic. So I'm sure now that you guys are installed in like I don't know two or three stores, probably. I'm just kidding. Um, but no, you've got a bunch of data to play with. So now this idea of customer journey retargeting and building out all these different messagings at a different point in like the customer journey, do you see any data that reflects uh, you know, how this is combating ad fatigue and how it's helping you know, brands build their business? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, to, to your point, that's, that's exactly uh, correct. Like we, we, we see ourselves in a pretty unique position where we've, we've spent like millions of dollars on ad experiences that are based on this kind of journey approach. And we're just sitting on like a wealth of data to be able to learn what works best for which types of customers. And we, we tend to be pretty um, conservative with, with the way we kind of extrapolate data. So we've generally stayed against kind of t- looking at a couple of things and just start getting crazy loud about like, okay, here are the numbers to prove everything. We, we're, we're still kind of sifting through a lot of data to be able to say like definitively, is there signal here or, or is, is there just noise like from the different types of things that we're trying to prove? So we're hoping to release a lot more of these findings over, over the next year, just this kind of content for the community. But we're also using those learnings to pick it back into our product to be able to determine a good example is like the average order value along with um, the time it takes from kind of first touch point to conversion. Those two things really help dictate how long of a journey we should be running for for a particular brand in a particular industry. Things like the repeat purchase rate really help figure out uh, to what degree post-purchase retargeting plays a role in, in, in a brand's journey. And so all of the pieces are are there and um, and a lot of the data is kind of um, at our fingertips. And, uh, and yeah, we are hopefully going to be releasing a lot of our findings over, over the next uh, year. So you're your listeners can kind of um, stay stay tuned for that. Uh, we did release one case study recently, which um, we can maybe add to the show notes, where a brand we worked with named Finley Hats switched from the kind of regular DPA style retargeting to the the journey approach, and they saw a six hundred percent increase in their ad conversion rate. And the what I mean by ad conversion rate, and, and this is the sort of thing that we're trying to figure out, like what are the right metrics to even be studying with, with the data. Uh, and so in this case, it was like. Previously, let's say 10,000 people saw their retargeting ad experiences and what percentage of them ended up converting to, to, to purchase. Uh, and then in, in the CJR approach, uh, it was a 6x increase in terms of more people converting to purchase um, 
after seeing the ad experiences. But then, you know, and I don't want to get too long-winded here, but you have these issues around trade-off, which you might be able to see a lift in kind of revenue growth, but it might cost more in terms of ad spend because now we're running these a bit more complex retargeting journeys. So thinking about what, what matters more to the brand? Is it really, really high return on ad spend multiples? Or are we willing to have a little, little bit lower of a return on ad spend multiple if that can mean like revenue revenue growth and, uh, and sales lift? And so trying to understand how all of these pieces fit together and then release a lot of the data to help um, brands and, and um, marketers in the community think about how they want to do these things is, is a lot of what we think about every day. I think it's commendable that you are taking that time to analyze that data and you know you can skew data to make it look like you're doing awesome when you actually suck like it's yeah it's hilarious so i I think it's commendable that you guys do that thanks do you have any suggestions we like to give our listeners something actionable you know today after they get done listening that they can um, work on their store what's kind of the low-hanging fruit or that first thing if someone isn't doing retargeting or they are currently like what's something that you see most of the time when you take on a new client that you change kind of automatic like it's the first thing out of the gate you change for them so generally I, I think we see brands at one of two starting points. Uh, one is that they're just not doing any retargeting, which uh, to that we say, like, please start doing it because you're leaving money on the table for sure. And the other is, I think a lot of people have like checked the box of saying, okay, I need to do retargeting. I'll do retargeting, set up a dynamic product ad, let that run and call it a day. And I think the first kind of actionable piece is that if that's, if that's what you've done, if all you have running is one kind of dynamic product ad, then you know, think about what that experience is like for a consumer. If, for example, you have a dynamic product ad running, and most people will have it running for like, let's say, a 30-day interval, then it's like what we're saying here is that like this consumer is going to see the same copy, the same ad for the next 30 days. So, like, you know, thinking about that, looking at the frequency, seeing like how many times is it possible that this customer may have seen this, and taking some attempt to put variety in the ad experience, we think it's a really good, good place to start. And so that, in addition to thinking about which stages of the funnel are we targeting. So you know, just think about four basic stages of the funnel, people who expressed interest, let's say the ones who visited the homepage, but didn't even look at a product, or those who looked at a product, but didn't add to cart, or those who added to cart, but didn't purchase, or those that purchased, but let's say haven't purchased again, um, do you have a retargeting strategy that is catering to each of those four stages of the funnel with messaging that is relevant? And so, yeah, it's like the, the actionable tip I'd say is like just starting to think about what the world beyond dynamic product ads even looks like. I bet that most merchants, most brands, most marketers, if they just like come out of that box and come and like put a 30, 30 minute um, brainstorming session with your team or just yourself on the calendar and say, what could, what cool things could we do with retargeting that isn't just a dynamic product ad? I bet you'll have a lot of creativity and a lot of interesting thoughts around what could make a more kind of interesting customer experience. And so I'd say that would be the first starting point is to kind of just think about and brainstorm how interesting it would be to do retargeting experiences that are not just the same product ad over and over again. And then kind of using that creativity as a starting point to say, okay, which of those makes sense? Do we have the right audience to even implement something this granular? Maybe, maybe not. But I think that's a really good starting point is just expand the horizons of like what is possible with retargeting 
beyond just the, the kind of typical uh, dynamic product ad. Support for our podcast comes from our friends at Simpler, a new way to staff 24-7 sales and customer service on your e-commerce store. It works with your existing email and chat platforms, so setup is quick and easy. Simpler's network of on-demand, US-based Simpler specialists are standing by to answer your customers' most common questions. Set it up for free today and then turn it on or off depending on your customer volume. You only pay $2.25 for every resolution. No hidden fees, contracts, or minimums. Close more sales with Simpler by staffing your email and live chat around the clock with Simpler specialists. Start your free 7-day trial at simpler.ai slash honest. That's S-I-M-P-L-R dot A-I slash honest honest. So I, I kind of have a, one more question here before we kind of wrap it up. And then I'll actually... Two more things. First one being... Sure. So I am Joe Schmo's store owner and I'm just starting out. You know, is, is thinking about this returnity, this customer journey retargeting going to solve my underlying business problems? Uh, you know, I've only been doing this for six months and I kind of have an idea going like... Lay it on me. What's the truth there? Yeah, it for sure won't solve the kind of um, underlying problems of like, do we have a business that has product market fit that can reach customers reliably? Kind of keeping in mind that retargeting does not solve at, at all the kind of um, getting in front of the right customers. So, you know, you still need some way to get people to hear about you, buy your products, and that kind of starting point. Is is necessary uh, even without without retargeting? It can't can't really solve that problem, uh, and particularly customer journey retargeting can, cannot either. Um, and so, I think the and that's a, I don't I don't have a lot of great advice for kind of what to do in that state. It's a very difficult state to go from zero to one to go from you know just an idea getting off the ground to tens of thousands of visitors and some amount of kind of conversion to to deem that there is like proof of life there. Um, I feel like there are people way more qualified to to talk about that piece of the entrepreneurial journey than than, than mine. I would just say it's it's a hell of a grind. Oh, and, and there is one there is one quote that I think uh, really applies here. Uh, it's from the book "The Hard Thing About Hard Things" that I really like. Uh, ben Horowitz, who was a really phenomenal operator, who's now a venture capitalist, says that um, there are no such thing as silver bullets. There are only lots and lots and lots and lots of lead bullets. And I'd say, you know, it's probably true throughout the entrepreneurial journey, but particularly in, in the beginning, there is no one thing that will kind of make or break the, the, the success of, of an early stage store. And I would say that, you know, the, the concepts that we talk about in terms of customer journey retargeting start to become more and more relevant the higher the traffic gets. Because in a way, when you only have a few hundred people visiting your site in a month, um, it's hard to segment those out to be super granular in Facebook and still get ad delivery. And so, in the early days, I would say um, you know it, it's it's probably not um, possible to be to get very granular and say like, here's what we're going to show these people at this stage of the funnel, and here's what we're going to show them on day one and day eight. It, it it might be hard to do that with only a few hundred visitors. Typically, we say like something like at least ten thousand visitors a month are probably required in order to start doing CJR properly. But the one kind of uh, piece that I think a lot of people are probably not using well enough, and we and when we talk about CGR, it isn't just kind of those always on retargeting ads that people see as soon as they leave your website. We actually there's a massive opportunity in what we call like retargeting lists, almost like your email lists. So people like who've been to the site in the last 180 days, or people who have 
looked at the pro- at a product in the last 90 days or have looked at a specific product in the last 90 days. And these audiences tend to be a lot bigger for smaller store owners. You can get a kind of more sizable audience there. And what you don't want to do is like run ads against those audiences that are just running forever because you're just going to annoy people and waste money. But every once in a while, when you have a new promotion or you have a new collection or you have something to announce, it's really cool to use those lists the way you would like an email newsletter and you know tee up an ad that runs to your 180-day audience and let it run for like three days to communicate a message to those folks bring them back to your site, et cetera. I think retargeting can play, can play a really valuable role in that capacity in the, in the super early days when um, you, know, you want to be able to get in front of the people that have expressed interest in your brand, but not be too, too repetitive. I think that's a really good way to do it in the early days. Uh, but yeah, to, to your point, this is, not, this is not a silver bullet. It's not going to make or break businesses. It's not going to be the thing that gets a business off the ground. But as you think about your brand strategy, Competing in the world of Amazon and building a brand for the long term, we think that you know CGR plays a really critical role in that function, but not necessarily uh, a thing that can you know, save a, a failing business. Let's say, I you hit a home run. I teed that up for you pretty good, and I'm glad that you caught on. <laughs> oh my god, that was the perfect answer. It it takes hard work. It's building an online business is hard, and I don't know why people think it's easy. Right. Yeah. YouTube I, yeah. You, YouTube says it's easy, Chase. YouTube does say it's easy. That's right. <laughs> YouTube it's says easy. you just have your laptop at the beach and drop ship a widget from somewhere. Last time I brought my laptop <laughs> to the beach, I broke it. <laughs> no, I, I think that's the stuff that you just gave our listeners is, I mean, invaluable. If they were to take that today and either A, do it, then start some of the retargeting themselves, or B, if they have an agency working for them, double checking the agency's work to make sure that they're they're doing the retargeting that's going to be the most value for them. So I think that's... If people have, might have to listen to this episode a couple of times and take notes on that stuff, but it was all uh, very valuable. And we're thankful for that. Yeah. And then uh, we are going to link in the show notes to... Uh, they have a, a beautiful deck. I actually just downloaded it again to refresh myself with it. Um, but yeah, Shoelace is sharing with us. I think it's 54 pages is what it is. Yeah. Yep. And it's all about this customer journey retargeting. And it's going to let you really understand how to do it within your business. And you can do it yourself. Or, I mean, Raza built an awesome app that can help you do this. Talk a bit about uh, Shoelace and uh, you know, the types of clients that would... You know, it'd be a good fit for them. Sure. Yeah. Happy to. Um, so we, we, tip, we typically say that you know, the, the right customer to start working with Shoelace is, is a brand that is probably generating some somewhere like a couple hundred thousand dollars a year in sales or kind of at that threshold below that I, I think that you know we, we have a lot of thoughts on releasing um, kind of free or cheaper products that are that are more for kind of entry-level uh, e-commerce founders and, and brands but at the moment just for the sake of kind of remaining focused and being able to create as much value as possible for our brands we've, we, we, we kind of say that the um, the threshold to, for shoelace to make a lot of sense for your business, is if you're doing at least a couple hundred thousand dollars a year in sales and have, let's say, you know, 10, 15,000 visitors a month uh, visiting your website. Below that, at the moment, it, it's, it doesn't make a lot of sense to use Shoelace. That being said, stay tuned because we have a lot of kind of um, ideas and plans in our roadmap to be able to release products and offerings for more kind of entry level uh, e commerce founders that are still kind of getting their, their business off the ground. But for folks who do meet that sort of threshold, where it does make sense to bring on a shoelace to help, uh, we're somewhere like a, a an automated product that that has a lot of integrations with your marketing apps, deep integration with your e-commerce store to be able to c- 
create these journeys very effectively. Uh, but it also comes with a dedicated account strategist that works on your on your retargeting journeys and helps you make the best of them. Um, and so, you know, that that's that's the experience you get when you join Shoelace. Is that um, you see an app that has a dashboard that allows you to visualize your retargeting journey so that you see what people are seeing on day two and day eight, et cetera. And it's a lot more visually appealing than kind of trying to stare that down inside Ads Manager, which can get very cumbersome. And we have interesting integrations with like loyalty providers, with email providers that are able to use that content inside of your journey experience that make it a lot more straightforward. Also, um, product review apps to really use that kind of user-generated content in, in the journey ad experiences. And so, yeah, I'd say uh, that's that's the main benefit to use uh, to use Shoelace. It's a lot of automation that will make creating these journeys very efficient because. Uh, for anybody who tries to do this in Chile in, in Facebook, you'll see that it's quite the time suck if you want to, if you want to create a very kind of granular journey that that tells a phenomenal story. And so to be able to get that mundane activity automated through our software and the strategic help from our account strategists that have you know spent millions of dollars on other retargeting campaigns for fast growing e-commerce brands uh, is is kind of a good mix to help growing e-commerce brands implement CGR effectively for. Uh, what I think is a is, is kind of a bargain with, for the for the prices that we charge, uh, but we also have a 14 day trial for people to uh, judge for themselves. I think a lot of people come to Shoelace, and we're okay with this because honestly, our our view is that if if the entire industry does journey retargeting the way we talk about it, we'll probably be fine. So a lot of people come to Shoelace and like see what we do and all of the ads that we run run inside their own. Uh, ads manager running in, with their own Facebook pixel. So a bunch of people have come, tried Shoelace, gotten inspiration, and then kind of uh, continued off doing it on their own, which is just cool. Often what happens is people will try that for a few months and then come back to use Shoelace because it's, it's very time consuming. Uh, but even for that perspective, I think we're, we're, we're happy to spread the message of CJR, even if it means kind of come try Shoelace, uh, learn what we do and, and decide to kind of do, do it yourself is... Uh, is is fine by us, but um, yeah. If if you're intrigued by this journey approach to retargeting, probably couldn't hurt to uh, to give Chulace a, sh- a shot and see uh, see what we're about. Yeah, and then I'm sure that you guys are going to hit them up with some sexy customer journey retargeting ads of your own. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. What's funny is that we we always try to improve that. I forget this quote. It talks about like how the shoemaker's shoe is always like filled with holes in it, and so like we, we spend so much time on our clients' accounts that. Often we're like, hey, we really need to level up our own retargeting journeys because people call us out on them. Sometimes, like when the, when they'll see the same ad, like, hey, shoelace, <laughs> I'm seeing the same ad twice here. I'm like, damn, guys, like, thanks for keeping us on our toes. The thing is, though, we can't even use shoelace for ourselves because shoelace is built uh, entirely for e-commerce marketing and not necessarily for kind of software marketing. But oftentimes, we think about. We can probably help a lot of SaaS marketers do CGR, and so we 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 see the pains of doing journey retargeting just by having to like do our own our own journey retargeting. And we often wish that there was a shoelace for shoelace, a shoelace for shoelaces. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I learned a lot. I'm sure Annette did. She's yes. been scribbling in her notepad this yes, whole time. Thank you. So good. awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. It was great. Thanks, guys. We can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing the truth. Links and more will be available in the show notes. If you found any actionable advice in this podcast that you'd like to apply to your business, please reach out at electriceye.io slash connect. 
Please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice.